The Michigan Vaccine Project presents an ounce of prevention. Thank you for joining us for part two of our conversation with Disability Network West Michigan. What I'd like each of you to do is start out by sharing a little bit of your initial thoughts when the vaccines were released. Were you skeptical? Were you ready for it right away? And then you can segue directly from that into kind of telling your own vaccine story, whatever that may be. So we'll start with. I think a lot of us probably had this reaction when the first vaccines became available. We probably all thought, wow, that was fast. Even though it had been a long year and a half at that point of living with the pandemic, we look back through history about the development of vaccines. And so that was my initial reaction is, wow, that seems quick. But the other one of the things that I had to tell myself was every scientist in the entire world is working on this right now, because this isn't something that's just going on in the U.S., or in my town or whatever, it's every, governments all over the world are pouring billions of dollars into this research to see if we can find a vaccine that's going to work because it's spreading rapidly all over the world. Millions of people are dying. It was a problem that was, they were throwing money at it to try and solve it very quickly. And then I was looking at some of the, the processes that they were using to develop the vaccines and they were things that they had been working on over the, pa- the the past several years. It wasn't like this was new technology specifically developed for a COVID vaccine. And I think nobody really likes to get shots. It's not something that people enjoy doing. The other thing I just had to like rationalize with myself was that the people who are studying this know a lot more about vaccines and viruses than I do. I didn't get a PhD in virology or medicine or any of those fields. And so compared to these, and some of those folks have been working on vaccination specifically for several decades. It's not, this is what they do day in and day out. They've done it for the last 30, 40 years of their life. They certainly know a lot more than me, who's barely read a few pages about vaccinations. I was, all right, I'm going to trust the experts here and just do it because I felt like it was the right thing to do. And yeah. And apart from the first day after everything's been fine. For me, like Brad mentioned, it seemed like it came really fast. So it made me feel first and foremost, I felt grateful for the people that invested their time and their energy in the midst of this chaos to try to do something that would help all of us, or hopefully help all of us. But at the same time, on a personal level, I felt apprehensive because being a person with disability and some consider immune compromised, because depending on which doctor I'm talking to, I'm immune compromised. Some say I'm not, so it makes it even more confusing. So on my level, I was really, as I mentioned, I was grateful that the vaccine was there, but I was also apprehensive to to take it initially because I didn't know if a new shot that hadn't been tested numerous subjects over a period of years was going to be safe for me. Not that I don't trust science or doctors or anything because any other time my doctor said do something, I've always just done it. But this was the first time that I can recall in my lifetime that a shot was developed in front of my eyes, or at least that I paid attention to it, at least. I can't say it was the first time. But 
Ultimately, when it was available to us, Diane had called me and asked me if I wanted to go with her. And I said no, but yes, because who wants to get another shot? So we ended up going. It was fine. It was like a standard shot. I will say the next day, I felt poo, like actual poo. Like, I don't think I've ever felt worse in my life. I was tired just by every side effect I could have. I had, but fortunately, it all worked out and I've been good ever since then. As far as I know, I've never had COVID. I had side effects also with the second shot in the same way, but that's a small price to pay, relatively speaking, compared to death. This whole medical science has been a godsend for a lot of people, and I wish it would have been available sooner, of course, to save more people. I'm grateful for the people that are able to go home to their families due to the work and the efforts of all those who put forth their time to try to come up with this. And I'm thankful also, as I mentioned earlier, for a team that allows us to lean on each other and take care of our own health in the best way that we need to for ourselves, whether that be during this pandemic or otherwise. It's always important that we take care of our health in general, but especially if you're a person with a disability of any kind or have immune concerns, that you really especially pay attention to your health and you try to take as much precaution as you can because at the end of the day, as far as we know, we only have one life, so it's best to try to extend it as, as well as we can. So like most, I think initially there was definitely some hesitancy and that was blended with a lot of excitement at the same time though. Because during that point in time, there there wasn't a lot of things to give hope toward. Not only were we being faced with a global pandemic, but there was racial reckoning happening. There were political protests. Like there were so many layers. And so the news of the vaccine was incredibly exciting to me. I think as a mom and again as a leader in a nonprofit sector, we continued providing services without missing a beat. So it was important for me to gobble up as much information as I could on the vaccine and become incredibly educated as best as I could. Center for Independent Living is one of 15 centers across the state of Michigan. And so we were meeting weekly on Zoom, talking about our approaches, different policies and procedures around the vaccine for our staff. When Jeff and I were vaccine buddies, and went to get ours together, that was paid time for our team. And so just trying to encourage individual choice as much as possible. And I just thought the whole experience was really interesting. There was definitely some some discrepancies between individualistic approaches and collective approaches to the issue. And to me, the vaccine was an opportunity for that collective approach. And that seemed to be the most effective at the time. So 
it was a big decision, but I decided to get vaccinated. I do have autoimmune disorders. I am a type 1 diabetic that uses an insulin pump and was diagnosed with additional autoimmune disorders after my time serving in the military. So you couple that with anxiety and PTSD, and there was a lot of information seeking happening and I felt informed and felt like I I made the best decision for myself and my family at the time. So how does COVID and the pandemic tie into the larger issues of healthcare access for persons with disabilities? How did the needs of persons with disabilities change? How did the organization meet those needs? A bigger picture conversation. Yeah, so I was thinking through some of the barriers, healthcare access for people with disabilities, and this directly relates to vaccine access. A primary one is inaccessible facilities. Not all of the vaccine clinics that were going on were in healthcare facilities that are traditionally accessible. At least they're supposed to be. They might be at a church, they might be somewhere else, which might not be an accessible location. Another huge barrier, lack of accessible transportation. A lot of communities around the country don't have public transportation, or it's very minimal, or some communities have it, it doesn't go everywhere in the community. Even some that do have public transportation, it might not necessarily be accessible. Or if you're in a community where you have Uber and Lyft, they don't have the same requirements for access as public transit agencies do. So you might call a ride from Uber or Lyft, they show up, you can't get in their vehicle. The other point that I wanted to touch on was access to information about vaccines. So websites where vaccine info are made available, you would have inaccessible text or something if you're a person who's blind or low vision, making sure that your websites are accessible is incredibly important. And I'm not sure that everybody did a great job with that. For us, our service delivery model was a big undertaking. We went from being pretty office-oriented, having our consumers come to the office and things like that on a regular basis. And so when our team transitioned to working from home, that was certainly a new skill for a lot of us, learning how to navigate all of the different platforms. It helped in a lot of ways for preparing us for the future as far as being able to adapt to a hybrid model and getting ourselves prepared for that. What was incredibly difficult, though, was doing that for all of the people that we serve. Annually, between the five counties that we provide services in, we typically would reach 3,500 people in a year. We weren't quite sure how we were going to do that. People with disabilities, we've heard about a lot of the challenges and barriers that are experienced on a daily basis, but At the same time, we're also talking about people who were homebound in very rural, isolated areas. And information being available online is amazing if you have access to internet and a computer. And so one of our major efforts initially out of the gate was making sure that we were providing the tools necessary for our consumers. And so the first thing we did was called every single consumer that we had in our database, which was vast. And it was all hands on deck because we knew 
we wouldn't be able to reach those individuals through just email or other means of communication. And we wanted to hear their voice. We wanted to check in on them. And so we did wellness checks on all of our consumers early on in the pandemic to let them know that we were here to support them and provide information and help navigate a lot of the questions that were just prevalent to the disability community, especially. Not unlike other vulnerable and marginalized populations, the disability community has a huge a huge hesitancy to the medical field. Historically, the medical field has looked at disability as something that needs to be cured or something that is the individual's issue to be fixed. And so the there's a long-rooted hesitancy to the medical community, which made it difficult for the people we serve in building that trust with them to encourage them to get the vaccine. So as part of those calls, we were doing technology assessments and asking our consumers, did they have access to a computer, to a smartphone, to internet? And we provided laptops and tablets and hotspots and cell phones and internet connectivity to over 300 people during the pandemic so that they could be more connected. And I think what we learned through the pandemic was there was a lot of stimulus response. So there wasn't a lot of time to to pause and reassess or what can we be doing better? What else do we need to do? It was just for two years providing those services and trying to help our community along the way, bring them alongside us. And so, yeah, it was a huge learning, huge undertaking. And yeah, quickly to that as part of these efforts and because of the inequities that were just being spotlighted through this process, we were able to serve on a governor appointed commission called the Protect Michigan Commission. And our organization, myself, we were able to be on that commission early on in the pandemic to ensure that populations that fall in that high social vulnerability index, which of course people with disabilities are in that, and people with disabilities are the largest minority group in the world. And so it was really important for us to have that representation on that commission as well, because a lot of the work around that was to address the inaccessible vaccine sites, the prioritization. We advocated fiercely to ensure that people with disabilities were getting moved up on that prioritization list. And we can't have this conversation without talking about the dating impact to congregate care settings, which a lot of people with disabilities reside in as well. And so this yeah, this pandemic really resurfaced a lot of the inequities that are in experience day to day for a lot of us. But yeah, we're just really hoping we can learn from that and grow from that as a community. Can I make a comment here? And I just wanted to talk a little bit about the sort of broader messaging that was happening around COVID at the time and how it was inherently ableist because it was about it was like, oh, only people who are old and sick are going to die from this. And, you know, what people really meant by that was people who have pre-existing conditions or disabilities are more vulnerable to this. And the messaging was just basically, it doesn't matter because 
I'm a young, healthy person and I'm not going to die. It doesn't matter what it's going to happen to anybody else. And it was just this sort of intense messaging about not caring what happened to people who were old or disabled. Jeff, is there anything you would like to add? I don't want to repeat what everyone else said, but you, it, this whole experience, for as bad as it was, it's also been a positive in some ways because it gave us an opportunity to think outside the box, to think of different ways to reach people or even accommodate our team than we might have thought of before. For example, even though everything was shut down, Brad and I were still able to present and we did, I don't know how many presentations over the two-year stretch or however long it was. So we were still able to spread the word about disability and inclusion and all those things in such an important time when, you know, that awareness really needed to be brought to it or brought back to it. It's always important that disability is part of the conversation because it's part of the human condition. But I think it's especially important when you see so many groups getting recognition or being spoke about in many different public atmospheres that we also make sure that you can be all those things and also have a disability too. So I think it's important to know that. And I think that our team just did a great job in the midst of chaos and adversity and loss and devastation and ongoing crisis, including now, because I wanted to say that again, just so people realize no matter who says it, this pandemic and the effects of it is ongoing. People are still losing their life. They're still in the hospital. They're still dying, and we can't lose sight of that. No matter how much it is, has improved, it can still improve more, and we need to remember that while things are okay for us as individuals right now, maybe, it, there's a chance that it might not be to, for ourselves or someone else. So we need to bring that awareness back also. But as a person with a disability who's able to use my voice and kind of sit on a, a platform like this and able to spread this awareness, it's a gift. It's a gift to be able to work on this team and be a part of this team who is not only passionate about the work, but more important, the ideas that people with disabilities are people too, and people first. I just, I want the pandemic at the end of all of this to be a reminder that life is short and we need to take the time to appreciate ourselves and each other for what we bring to the table as opposed to what we may have difficulty with. We're all asset in our own ways, even if we don't know what those skills are at the time. If you're surrounded by the right people, I think they'll help you unlock those. And I think with the right, with the right help, I think you can help unlock each other. And this pandemic should bring home the point that the only way we move forward is together by looking out for each other and by doing what we can for each other when we can, whether that is taking a vaccine, if that's something that fits your, fits your belief system, or whether it's sending a quick text message or a Facebook message or taking the time to make the visit. Just make sure to remember in the midst of everything that we all have our own things going on, 
but it's important to check on the person beside you because you never know how much time you have left. And I hope that's the biggest takeaway from all of this is that at the end of the day, people need other people. The only way we get through this is together and by helping each other in whatever ways we can. Support for the Michigan Vaccine Project and an ounce of prevention comes from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. MSU Extension Program's materials are open to all without regard to race, color, national origin, gender identity, religion, age, height, weight, disability, political beliefs, sexual orientation, marital status, family status, or veteran status.